always been of the mindset when there's been recessions and COVID and things like that, that there's opportunity. And it's important to keep in touch with your clients, find out what they need, because that changes. So as mm. the environment changes, so does that. Um, and there's always a way to help them. There's always something you can do. Welcome to the Agency Hour podcast. This week, we're joined by Mavericks Club member, Gillian Brandon. Gillian is the CEO of Manifest Website Design here in Australia. At Manifest Website Design, they help you get better clients by creating world-ranking websites, effective SEO, lead gen, email marketing, and organization through automations. In this episode, we discuss identifying opportunities and gaps in the market, how Gillian's team has grown over the last two years, how her service offering has also grown since joining Mavericks, including care plans, hosting, growth plans, SEO, and of course, paid discovery, as well as the systems and processes that needed to be implemented in order for Gillian to have the confidence to take time away, take a two-month holiday out of her business without the business collapsing. I'm Troy Dean. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Agency Hour, Gillian Brandon from Manifest Web Design. Hey, Gillian, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Troy. How are you? Thank, I'm great. Thanks for joining us on the show. Now, um, a little bit of context. You you put a Facebook post up recently talking about, well, I'll let you tell the story. What, what happened? Okay, so um, I was in a squadron call. I'd been away and um, someone suggested that I talk about myself and my experience. So I created a post that explained how I took two months off to go to Cuba and the Caribbean um, and how my business didn't fall apart. Isn't that amazing? We take some time off and we expect the business to fall apart and when it doesn't, we're pleasantly surprised. A little bit of context. Gillian is in Mavericks Club, which is our mastermind. A squadron call is a call that we have every couple of weeks with a small group of agency owners and they become, you kind of become accountability buddies and kind of business best friends, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Why the Caribbean and Cuba? Why why was that destined? I'm curious. Uh, (laughs) It's literally the other side of the world to Australia. Mm. Yeah, I think it was 35 hours without a bed to get there. Wow. Um, look, I, it was just one of those places that I was very curious about. Um, people said it was like stepping back in time and it really, really was. Mm. More people get about by horse and cart than they do by car. Wow. Yeah, it's just a fascinating place. Mm. And I hear the uh, I hear the uh, the cocktails are pretty nice too, are they? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have the basic ingredients right there. <laughs> Excellent. Now, what what do you attribute? I, I spoke to Matt Jones uh, the other day, who's also in Mavericks Club, and he just went to Mexico for five weeks with okay. his wife and two children, one of which is like less than one year old. And uh, he said you probably wouldn't do that again. Five weeks in Mexico with two little uh, kids is a long time. But he also came back surprisingly to a business that hadn't fallen over. Yeah. What, let, let's just let's just go back eighteen months, two years before. You started working with us, and this is by no means, I'm not trying to plug what we do because you're the one that's taken all the action and done the work, but two years ago, if you'd gone away for two months to the Caribbean and Cuba, what what would you have been nervous about that would happen in the business by you not being here? Uh, two years ago, if I'd done this, um, I would have had to have just closed the doors, like completely shut down everything, um, and it would have been quite a disaster really because... Um, people would have been emailing me 
and I was out of communication mm. pretty much. I mean, I had my team, you know, um, looking after things for me. So um, they had access to my emails. They had um, access to me, um, minimal access to me mm-hmm. while I was away um, through Slack, email, Voxer, mm-hmm. WhatsApp. Yeah. And so, what do you what do you think you've put in place over the last two years that gave you the confidence to go away for two months? And even though you were still a little bit nervous, you you obviously were more confident now than you were two years ago. What what processes or systems or what mechanically have you put in place? Has it just been team or is it systems? What is it? A lot of things, um, a bunch of things. I actually didn't have a lot of time to prepare, but I realised that I'd actually done a lot of groundwork anyway. So the the big thing was the reoccurring income. Mm. So I had a bunch of care plans in place and I had a care plan manager in place. I had um, a form on my website um, that automatically made a task in ClickUp, so I had a system for ticketing. Um, although it was, it's very simple, mm. it works well, mm. um, a support email. And so that was all in place. So I just really sat down and looked at all of my incomings and all of my outgoings and made a list, mm-hmm. um, trimmed a bit of fat, mm-hmm. made sure, you know, um, which is, I think, a good exercise to do. Absolutely. Every 12 months. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, try, we try and do it every three months because yeah, it, okay. gets, it gets out of hand. You know? Yeah, it does. It does. So I had that in place and that was solid and in mm. place. So that actually gave me the confidence, that part of it. So I had about two or three months to prepare. Because of that, I had a lot of processes in place. I had a team, so I had a content manager and a developer and a designer and I had my content manager um, sort of flip to be a bit of a VA. Mm-hmm. She took on my emails and so we, we sort of shadowed, I shadowed, she shadowed me, sorry, for about a month prior so she was looking after things. Right. So I trained her up. It was really about training up the team. Mm. You know, I made sure the team knew who our top ten clients are. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a bit. Um, these are the people that we look after. We, mm. you know, we bend over backwards for these people. Mm. Um, there are kind of, you know, we've always got that top ten. Mm-hmm. How's how's the team grown over the last two years? I'm curious. Oh, I had no team <laughs> prior. Uh-huh. Well, sorry, I had right. uh, a couple of Upwork contractors, um, freelancers. Um, so then I had so before I left, I had three. I did get rid of my designer because I was concerned about how I was going to deliver website projects while I was away. So I tr- did trim that back and also the my sales process is me mm-hmm. and project development, um, project management was me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel I had time to nurture and, and uh, train up a project manager. Mm-hmm. So that component I trimmed back. I uh, got rid of my designer and mm-hmm. I trimmed back. But funnily enough, um, and Pete helped me with this, I had a discovery call the day before I left with a client and actually won the job while I was away, two websites on a $1,500 recurring wow. while I was away. <laughs> well done. You should go away more often. <laughs> oh, it's funny how that happens. 
because I guess I was nervous about before I left, like, how am I going to do this? Do I, do I still have meetings with clients? Do I still do proposals and discovery sessions? What am I going to say to them? I'm not going to be here for two months. Anyway, so I decided to be completely upfront and honest. And I said, I don't have availability for two months. But I do have this content collection system. Mm-hmm. So we, will, we can start the project. And Pete helped me with that. So we, we just developed a system of just keeping them a little bit nurtured mm-hmm. through that two-month period. Mm-hmm. So I, I had three clients that I was able to do that with. Great. So that helped incredibly. So I didn't actually deliver any projects during that time, but I had work to come back to and a lot, quite a lot. Mm. It was quite substantial. Great. A bit of context, Pete is Gillian's coach in Maverick Slum. You say that you didn't deliver any projects during that time, but you did deliver value to those clients because you were nurturing them, sending them those messages. They were getting their content together and sending it back to you. So you're helping them get organised while you're away. How has your service offering changed over the last two years? Oh, a lot. (laughs) Prior to joining Mavericks, I was just winging it really. I was just building websites and that was it. So now I have a signature system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have it quite documented. Um, I have my, you know, nine sort of pillars pillars of what I do. Mm -hmm. And I have built out my website with a stack of new pages and constantly working on that, constantly talking to my clients. So now I... Now I not just build websites, I do care plans and I do managed hosting. So that's care plan and hosting. Mm-hmm. So I bundle that often um, and that, yeah, it's just a little bit better. I do growth plans. Mm-hmm. So that's basically my signature system mm-hmm. and, and SEO and, and discovery. Great. So, Quite a lot. Um, great. Pay discovery. We love pay discovery. The growth plans, I'm kind of teeing you up here to uh, talk a little bit about the details. What are you using to manage the growth plans for your clients? As in processes? Yes. Processes, software. What, is, what does that look like? Oh, okay. So we use ClickUp for all our tasks. Um, mm-hmm. So we have templates for uh, web projects, growth plans, Care plans. Care plans is pretty straightforward. SEO, they're all templated. A growth plan is often customised. In fact, it's always customised. So although we have a template, we go through with the client and tweak that template. It's just a, a yeah, click-up template that gets us started with that. But it's, mm. a, a, it's always a 6 to 12-month engagement mm-hmm. um, on a sort of risk, recurring kind of Tasks are recurring mm-hmm. yeah, in a cycle. We use high level for um, CRM and email marketing and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a great platform. Do you do you resell high level as as software or managed service? Yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah, mm. I have a little. I was sort of pushing that before I left. Um, I had to back off on that because mm. I couldn't really do it whilst away. I have backed off a bit on that. I tend to use it for my clients. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, um, yeah, I have accounts for them if I'm doing work for them with the idea that, you know, if they want to stop the growth plan, I can show them high level and say, well, here you go. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, at which point they won't want to do it themselves and the idea is that it makes it stickier. And with the the, the, the templates and ClickUp, it's – 
you know, I think the idea there is that it's each client has got their own needs and it is slightly customised, but at least the template gets you 80% of the way there. It gets you up and about. You don't need to reinvent the process every time a client comes in. So you're, you're a lot more efficient. Yeah. I, I also think once you've – because I know you've done a lot of work in the documentation around this, that it makes it easier then to delegate it to team members, right, and teach team members how things work. Yeah, a lot of the tasks are – or most of them are done by team members now. I don't – try not to do too much. <laughs> Great. So how, how has your role changed over the last couple of years? Oh, massively. You know, one thing that Pete um, and I think you have drilled into me is um, when a task comes to me, to me, it's, you know, my immediate thought is who is going to do this, not how am I going to do this. Mm. Um, you know, I'm taking on work and things that, you know, require someone that is more skilled than me. So mm. I have to go and find that person. Or, you know, yeah, reach out to my team and see who, who's the best fit. Great. Who is your typical client? Just give me a bit of an overview of the, the typical clients that you serve. So I live in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales, a lot of local mm. businesses. So they're service-based industries, businesses, sorry. Mostly they're go-getters, you know, that's the sort of typical and ideal client is the people that want to grow, you know, the people... Mm. Yeah, they want to be, they consider themselves the best at what they do mm-hmm. and they want the world to know that they're the best. Mm. And they're great. Just love working with people like that. Yeah. yeah. You, do you, you're, you really light up when you talk about your clients and I know this because we've had many conversations before but you, you have this genuine, this genuine desire to help people who are actively trying to grow their business. Do, do you... Do you say no to some clients sometimes who aren't a good fit? What's your process for qualifying a client? Uh, I'm not sure if I've got a process. It's it's a gut feeling. Sometimes people come and, you know, I can tell straight away sometimes and Mm. just say, look, you know, I don't think we're the right people. If you're looking for a, you know, $500 website, we're not well people. I've had to offboard people who are just completely a bad fit, (laughs) You know, it's usually around expectations mm-hmm. and, you know, I try to do that as diplomatically as possible. You know, I'm not here to, you know, mm. cause any rifts. I try to, you know, offboard people in a way that, you know, if they get stuck, they might come back um, if they, yeah, can change their attitude. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important, like I, I, I struggled for years to say no to clients and I ended up with a bunch of clients that I wasn't able to serve at the price point that they wanted me to serve them at. And it actually was impacting my other clients because it was impacting my mindset and my mental health and I was starting to resent the business and I couldn't do my best work. And I eventually had to offboard quite a few clients who uh, at the time, we were just hosting their websites and we decided not to do any hosting anymore because we were terrible at it, to be honest. And uh, there were quite a few difficult conversations that we had during that. We had, had a 14-day campaign to, to offboard these clients. But in hindsight, it was the best thing that we did because then it allowed us to focus on serving our best clients. And Emily, our CEO, has actually taught me this uh, framework called the the 10 10 10 any difficult conversation is going to feel awkward for 10 minutes after the conversation. 
10 hours after the conversation, it starts to feel a little bit easier. 10 days after you've had that conversation, it's a thing of the past. You've forgotten about it and you've moved on and, and you feel relieved that you actually had that conversation. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a form on my website, um, a new project, new website project form. Mm-hmm. And on the very first page, it's got several pages of um, questions. Mm. The very first page is budget. It's mm-hmm. at the bottom, but it's budget. And the, the, the lowest that they can tick is five grand, mm-hmm. $5,000. Mm. And so if I'm unsure, if I get a phone call and I'm unsure, I just flick them that link mm. and that weeds them out. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. They're not prepared to at least, well, fill in that form and know that, you know, it's probably going to be more than five grand. That's right. And that weeds them out. You just saved there. yourself a lot of time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a I had a guy email me once saying, uh, oh, I, "I don't fill in forms." <laughs> I just sent an email back saying, well, "We're not going to work together." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you want me to build you a website so your clients can fill in forms, but you're not prepared to fill in a form. Houston, we have a problem. If you could go back and talk to Gillian Brandon two years ago. It's been a journey, right? I mean, you've learned. You were saying before we hit record that you've realised how much you've learnt over the last two years. If you could go back and say to yourself two years ago, just do this thing first. It's going to be the thing that actually gets you the the biggest bang for your buck, or the, it's the one lever that you should pull. What would you say to yourself? Oh, don't give up. <laughs> mm. Yeah, just keep going. I think it, it's a, around the recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. It gives you the confidence. I think having that, just that money that drops in every, you know, all the time, it gives you opportunities to grow. And then I think through that, you have to have processes. You know, it forces you to do that. It forces you to, not in a bad way, but, you know, around that, you need processes and around that, you need a team. Mm. Yep. So focus on, and it's really interesting because one of the things I say is is never stop selling, never stop recruiting. Like it doesn't mean you have to always be hiring, but you should always be looking for good, talented people around that you can bring in when you need them. Because if you have to hire someone fast, you generally hire the wrong person because you're desperate, right? Yes. Um, and recurring revenue gives you the confidence to know when you can hire someone because you know that you've got the cash flow coming in. Now, of course, it's nothing's guaranteed, but mm. it's way better than just working off project-based revenue. Oh, absolutely. Um, prior prior to that, I had uh, I was still doing maintenance for clients, but I had no idea when that was going to happen. Mm. And yeah, I I think through um, through COVID um, twenty twenty, um, my old clients and all the maintenance I did sort of kept me afloat, but. Oh, yeah, I didn't know when. So now I do, you know. I can mm. see exactly how it's going to, how the next at least six to 12 months looks. Mm. You know, you have clients that, you know, are only going to engage for six to 12 months, some for longer. But at least you've got that recurring revenue, that predictability coming in. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about some of the details now. In your post on Facebook, you mentioned that automation made tasks easier for, for all of us. Can you walk us through some of the things that you set up before you went away? And I know we've talked a little bit about uh, the, the content collection. Um, 
there was some other stuff around some reoccurring marketing activities like scheduling articles and social media stuff. How, what, what, how did you know what you needed to automate so that it didn't fall through the cracks while you were away? Did you, did you kind of do an audit on that or what was, what was your thinking and process around that? Well, I guess high level. So we had it set up so that any conversations that came in would have a, an automatic response mm-hmm. of some kind, usually a text mm-hmm. message, and that would ping my VA so she would be on top of that. The automations we had for our ticketing system mm-hmm. was in place and we just set up a content calendar for my business but also my clients' businesses. We just mapped it out, what we were going to, the posts that we were going to uh, produce uh, while I was away. Great. And they were kind of all set up and scheduled. And that, that's and you managed all that in high level? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, we would, I just had a live stream this morning in the Facebook group with Sean Clark from high level and uh, I'm curious, so he was talking about the web chat basically converts, anyone that responds via a web chat can basically converts it into an SMS message that yeah. you can, a conversation where you can start to message the person back and forth. Um, do you use... Do you have contact forms on your website come into that as well? Do you use the web chat? Do you have, yeah? Yes. And do you deploy that for clients? I haven't yet. Um, I'm actually building one at the moment for a client. So it's a tradie. So we call it Phone Central and it's Mm -hmm. just the the, um, text message back. Um, We're setting that up for him. So it's just a little trimmed down version. But, yeah, I had a message yesterday from web chat that just responds automatically. And then I have contact forms on my website that respond. Um, Facebook, everything comes in from all different places. Mm. And everyone gets some kind of response depending mm. on how they come in. Typically it's um, asking them for more information or, you know, are you after this? Just that or nurturing first step. And I'm fairly um, upfront about the fact that it's automated. Mm-hmm. Like this is Jillian's bot. <laughs> yeah, great. Because you know? people know, people know it's a bot, right? So you may as well just call it out and be yeah. honest about it. Yeah, you've called us out of ours. This is Jillian's bot. You know that sort of thing. Um, she'll get back to you, or someone yeah. from the team will get back to you. Yeah, at least they know that they've been heard. At least they know that. Like, I remember a long time ago when I put in a support ticket on a software company, and I got the automated response saying, "We've got your support ticket." And I, I kind of read it. I went, oh, that, that was quick. And then I read it and I realised it was a canned response. But, but yeah. at least I knew that it had been logged and someone yes. was going to look at it and that hadn't just disappeared into the ether. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the point with automated replies is let people know it's automated, let them know that we've got it, we'll get onto it as soon as we're, we're back in business hours. Yeah. What are you most excited about uh, over the coming year and, and the coming three months? What are you working on? What are you focused on? Everything seems to be exploding at the moment. I've got a lot of ducks lined up. It's been a lot of work and it's suddenly sort of, yeah, it's really starting to happen. I'm working on recruiting at the moment and building my team. Great. Because the processes are pretty much in place. Um, They're always a a work in progress, Mm -hmm. I have to say. My SOPs and just the ClickUp task list. Just a website build is a hundred te- steps. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And you know that that changes too. Things change, so you've got to move with it. I'm excited about all the automation and AI that's around at the moment. It's very exciting. I just want to be all over it. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, high level of rolling out AI natively in app. You'll be able to use it to write emails, produce content, text messages, the whole lot. It's super exciting. It's a, it's an expo. I feel like it's like when. I feel like it, it. we're back in the days when Elementor happened in WordPress. It was like, yeah. wow, this is just going to make things so much faster. Yeah. It's not going to replace us like a lot no. of people are kind no. of panicking about. No. But it's going to make things super fun and super fast, isn't it? Yeah. I, I have it um, in my email at the moment where, um, and on Facebook, there's a little arrow and you just click it and boof, it just keeps writing for you. Um, wow. But, yeah, I mostly use it for ideas and to improve I like yes. to write, so yeah. um, I'll write and then have it perhaps improve it or give me some ideas. Um, mm. Yeah. Are you use Are you using Chat GPT specifically? Uh, yes, and Jasper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they're great. I love Jasper. It's a, it's a, it's a. I tell you, it's a. Um, I I sort of do feel like there's a really interesting kind of confluence of factors at the moment where you've got this explosion of AI, you've got, you know, economically there's a lot of uncertainty where, you know, interest rates are going up. We're probably going to go into a recession at some point to slow things down because, frankly, because during COVID governments around the world just printed money and gave it to us to keep us happy mm-hmm. and that's kind of, you know, biting us in the ass now. Um, but I do feel like there's this opportunity where a lot of people are scared and if those, if you can just keep an abundant mindset, which is sometimes really bloody hard when cost of living is going up and interest rates are going up, it's really hard to keep an abundant mindset. But I think if you can keep an abundant mindset, there there is a pathway and an opportunity because a lot of people are going to get scared and a lot of people are going to fall over, which is sad. But the opportunity for those who keep an abundant mindset is that there will be gaps in the market. The same thing happened during COVID. We mm. saw our client base during COVID, sort of the bottom 20% of our client base just hit the wall and the top 20% just exploded because they just focused on what they can control and they kind of ignored what they can't control. And I feel like we're in a similar time now, only a few years later, where there's a lot of stuff that's out of our control. Um, How do you keep, how do you wake up every day and go, right, this is what I mean, it, it's tough being a business owner, right? How do you? What do you do to keep yeah. your mind on the job and to keep yourself in good spirits? <laughs> Yoga, meditation. Yes, yes. <laughs> Self care tips from Gillian Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've always been of the mindset when there's been recessions and COVID and things like that. that there's opportunity. There's still mm. opportunity, and it's important to keep in touch with your clients. Find out what they need because that changes. So as mm. the environment changes, so does that. Um, and there's always a way to help them. There's always something you can do, especially if you're staying abreast of the technology. You know, we just know so much more than they do. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, but, uh, but around technology. It's super interesting that you mentioned that because I think we forget. I think because we live in this bubble where we talk to other agency owners all the time, we forget that, like, we're less than half a percent of the population of the planet know how to do what we do and we just take it for granted and we just assume that everyone knows how to do it. Yeah, yeah. They think you're amazing sometimes, just like, Yeah, wow. yeah. I know. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. I have, I have large, large organisations as clients who are still managing everything in email and then I showed them how, how to use ClickUp or Asana and they think I'm a wizard. It's like... We've yeah. been doing this for 12 years, man. Like I haven't used email for 12 years. What's going on? But 
they don't know what we know because th- mm. they know what they know, right? Their mm. expertise mm-hmm. and their knowledge is in their domain. Yes. Uh, so I think that's a really interesting observation and a really interesting thing to keep in the front of your, your mind is that yeah. we know more than them and that it's not patronising, it's just a fact. Yeah. Mm. And we can help them. Okay? There's always a way. There's always opportunities. you just got to stay connected, I think, to the people. Yeah, it's, and that's something that you can't automate. No. Right? <laughs> no. Because, you know, ChatGPT is not going to call you up and say, hey, things are a bit oh. weird at the moment in the world. How are you doing? Right? <laughs> And I think that's the real value that we offer with our clients is that personal connection and that empathy and that compassion and that genuinely caring about their situation and helping them. And then using the tools like Page Builders and ChatGPT to make our processes more efficient so that we can deliver to our clients and stay profitable. I mean, that's the holy grail, right? So we can take off for two months and go and visit the Caribbean and Cuba. Right? <laughs> that's, yeah, well, I think that's that's how we're going to be able to ride this wave in that, um, well, not wave, but this, you know, um, perhaps downturn in the economy, is that with AI we can speed up. Like my content <laughs> manager, Anna, she wrote an article for me and I just went, oh, no, actually I don't like that. Can you just change it? And within minutes it was mm. rewritten. Mm. She'd used some AI. Um, yeah. but it was so fast, the turnaround, mm. and a completely different article from a completely different angle. And this just saved us an hour. 100%. I, mm. So I've been sceptical of specifically ChatGPT for a while and I started using it. Jules, our copywriter here, has really kind of kicked my ass and said, you've got to get across this, you dinosaur. So I have been. And the other day I started asking it some questions. It's all about the prompting. But I started asking it some questions. Within about five minutes it it was asking me questions back. I was like, wow, this is interesting. I wasn't expecting that. So I asked it, can you help me write a strategy for a new YouTube channel? And that was my first prompt and it said, uh, yes, who's the target audience? Uh, what do they want to get out of the YouTube videos? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I felt like I was talking to a consultant from a, you know, seven-figure consulting company. Anyway, I answered the questions and then it basically wrote out a YouTube content strategy that I read and thought I could put that in a proposal and charge a client five grand for coming up with this strategy. With mm-hmm. that, that's paid discovery right there without yeah. doing any implementation. Right? Mm-hmm. It blew my mind, and it happened in about five minutes. It was incredible. Yeah. Now I think the trap is that a lot of people are going to use it and and at a surface level and come up with the same stuff and it's all going to sound a little bit used car salesman, right? The, the idea is that you've really got to learn how to how to have a conversation with it. But it's That's it's right. exciting technology, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just uh, putting in like tell me more, <laughs> please tell me more. That's an interesting prompt. Wow. Well, right. I mean that, that's what you'd mm. say to a friend, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm having a really hard time with the teenagers right now. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> it's, a, it's a leading question. One of our one of our Mavericks is also using it uh, instead of every time his team come to a to him for a question, he just sends him a link to ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> go and ask this first. If you can't get the answer, then come back and ask me. It's really clever. Um, uh, when's your next holiday? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I have to plan. I'll plan a little bit more strategically for the next one if I do take a longer one. There was a few parts to it that um, I learnt, you know, by taking mm. two months off. There was a few things I learnt and I saw where the gaps were and, and how mm. I would do it better. Um, I really want to try and set up my agency so that I can take more time off and away mm. Um yeah, so that requires um, very clear processes and uh, I have to work harder on my um, sales process mm -hmm. and obviously start replacing some of the hats that I wear. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Almanac of Naval Ravikant and Naval Ravikant is a – he grew and sold a bunch of businesses during the 2000.com boom uh, main website he had was called ePinions and then he had some review sites and stuff. Anyway, made a bunch of money, became an early investor in companies like Twitter and Uber and anyway, he he comes from comes from poverty in India and then moved out to uh, um, New Jersey as a kid, grew up in, in New York um, and, and, you know, was an immigrant family and had nothing, right, came from nothing. He's a self-made man, single mum and – he basically tweets and blogs all the lessons that he's learnt over life and he did this thing called the tweet storm where he basically just put a whole bunch of tweets together one day kind of brain dumping all the things that he's learnt and he summarised it in two words right at the end and I read it last night and I was like, oh, my God, it hit me in the solar plexus. It was like it resonated with me so strongly. He said, in summary, productize yourself. So and – yeah, right. So wow. yourself meaning the unique value that you can bring to the marketplace and then productizing that is how you scale. Whatever scale means for you doesn't mean you have to be a multi-million dollar corporation with 50 team members. Whatever scale means for you, how do you productize the unique value that you bring? And the subhead is kind of like, Keep redefining what you do until you work out how to productize yourself, right? So productize yourself. And if you find that you can't, then look at what you're doing and kind of just keep refining what you're doing until you can productize yourself because that's the answer to be able to scale. So either make more money or make the same money with less time so you can travel and have other people do the things, right? Super interesting uh, and I think that's the challenge for a lot of us is in, in a service-based industry because we're not making physical product, right? And it sounds like you're on that you're on that journey because you want more time to be able to travel and that's right. explore the world, yeah. Yeah. And I'm learning how to to think of my services as products. And it doesn't mean that it it doesn't mean that it's identical for everyone. Like the keep cup could be blue for someone and red for someone else, and it might be a different size. But essentially, this is the 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 construct and the constraints of this product. It includes this. It doesn't include this, and it's priced at this, and that's not negotiable. And yeah. we have these processes in place that the team can deliver it and still be profitable. That's really the holy grail. Yes. Yes. Hey, when I asked you what you were most excited about, you were supposed to say Mavcon in May <laughs> on the Gold Coast. 
<laughs> of course, we are coming up to the Gold Coast in May for our next event, Mavcon. So super excited to be able to, yes, I know. We're going to meet in person. Very excited to actually hang out with you guys in, in person. It's going to be very exciting. Hey, Gillian, thank you so much for joining us on the Agency Hour. Is there a question I should have asked that I didn't? No, I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Great. It's been a pleasure. Well, thanks for being a part of it and and thanks for sharing your story with the community and thanks for jumping on here. And I know it's in, it's going to inspire a lot of people to just think about what they need to do so that they're not completely stuck in the business and can't step away. So well done. Congratulations and uh, Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I was hoping for, that, you know, there'll be someone out there that um, was where I was two years ago. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that long, <laughs> two mm. years, be mm. somewhere else and be able to uh, have choices. Thanks for listening to the Agency Hour podcast and a massive thanks to Gillian. We love hearing about your wins. You have such a wonderful, genuine desire to help people and I can't wait to see what you do next. And, of course, I can't wait to hear all about your next holiday. Okay, folks, don't forget to subscribe and please share this with anyone who you think may need to hear it. Now, are you getting paid to close clients? Right now, we're guaranteeing you can get paid to close eight new clients in the next 30 days. If you'd like to chat with our team about how you can get paid to close, click the link beneath this episode. Let's get to work.